Well, good day to you and welcome to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for December 18th, 2017. It's the last one we'll do this year. Thanks for joining me. Uh, my name is Tim Patterson, uh, Trade Show Guy. I just got word that, by the way, the trademark on that came through. And then uh, once I mentioned that at a networking group that I was at, there was a big discussion about being a registered trademark versus just using the TM versus using the R with a circle and all that. And and I said, well, I just registered the trademark. So <laughs> it's Trade Show Guys registered. So I own Trade Show Guy Exhibits. Uh, we're a project management company out of Oregon. And uh, you can also find my book on Amazon, Trade Show Success, 14 Proven Steps to Take Your Trade Show Marketing to the Next Level. The blog is at tradeshowguyblog.com. If you are not there right now, you can find it. Uh, this video and blog podcast, this particular one, is our last one uh, until January 8th because, well, look at this. Uh, we're in, in near the year's end. We're always on a Monday since it's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Uh, both Christmas and New Year's fall on Mondays this time around, so I'm just going to skip the next couple of weeks and hopefully go skiing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, pray for snow, do a snow dance, whatever it takes, because uh, you know I, I would rather be up at the hill on those days than uh, here, to be honest. I, I love it. I love doing this, and I'm glad you're watching. But, you know, uh, skiing takes precedence on some days, especially holidays. No one's going to watch this on a holiday. So this uh, week, our last one of 2017, I have to share with you what I think is a really cool conversation, and I think you'll really like it. it it's uh, got almost nothing to do with the trade show world, but it does relate to a lot of themes that we find in business, whether it's the trade show business or anything. That's dedication, commitment, networking, uh, being aware of current trends, and so on and so forth. I got a chance to sit down with Paul Jackson. Uh, he is an old friend of mine, executive producer of the Hallmark Channel TV series, When Calls the Heart, among other things. Uh, you'll find out on the uh uh, the chat. Paul and I go back to the late 70s, early 80s. We worked together in a uh, uh, radio station here in Oregon. Uh, neither one of us was certain when that was. It was either the late 70s or early 80s. He thinks early 80s. Uh, you know, back when we were playing a lot of good old 60s and 70s rock and roll and pop. Um, and even, you know, now and then you'd play the crappy hits now and then. But uh, I, I was music director, so we didn't do too much of that. And oh, by the way, be if you're listening to this before... Christmas 2017. Be sure to find time to watch the two-hour series premiere of When Calls the Heart. It's on Hallmark Channel on Christmas night. Paul will tell you about it in this chat coming up. Real heartwarming stories. Uh, track it down. You and your kids will love it. I was uh, interested to talk to Paul because after he left the radio station, I, I kind of lost track of him. I knew he moved to the L.A. area. I knew he tried to make a go at a, as a writer, uh, but he did manage to uh, get into the industry, and he's been in the doing that for like 30, 35 years. And he explains that there. We also talk about what it takes to be a writer and actor in the industry today, which is interesting from his perspective. And of course, how the industry has radically changed with the advent of streaming services like Netflix and so on, uh, Amazon, Prime. Uh, a really fun and interesting conversation, just like I knew it would be And here is how that went. Well, hi, Paul. Thanks for joining me on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Tim. We actually worked together, uh, just to let the, the viewers and listeners know, we actually worked together in the 70s, was it? Early 80s? Uh, it's been a long Probably time. Probably 80, 81, somewhere yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Here, in, here in Salem at a little radio station uh, for just a couple of years. wasn't that long. We didn't really yeah. stay in touch. But, you know, good old Facebook got us back together in a sense. And I think it was, what, three years ago when we ran into each other at uh, a friend of mine in, in L.A. And, and I invited you over to, to see the archives, as it were. Yeah. That was a fun night. It was. Um, but, I, you know, I heard about you uh, after radio because you were in radio. I was in radio. We were kind of going different directions. 
uh, but we did spend some time together. And I heard that you were doing, wanting to do some writing and getting, get into the, you know, I don't know what they call it, movie industry, TV industry, just what in, in Los Angeles, the big industry down there. I'm curious to know, because I don't really know how you broke in. What was the story? How'd you do that? Well, after I left uh, Salem, which was 1983, I was working in radio and I'd gotten about as far as I was going to get. I was never as good as you guys were. And uh, I found myself doing less and less of employed radio. And I thought, if I don't leave now, I'm never going to make it. So I moved to LA with uh, what they call spec scripts. And those are sample scripts. They're called speculation scripts that you write to prove you have talent. And I moved here, sight unseen, didn't know anybody, and uh, just did the rounds. And, and it's oddly enough, on the 60th day, exactly the 60th day, I sold a pilot idea to Danny Thomas Productions. You remember <laughs> Danny Thomas? Oh, yeah. And I thought, this is the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> the pilot went nowhere, and I didn't, do, I didn't sell anything for four years. I worked oh, as God. a messenger. But during that time, I just kept taking classes and working with people. And then one day in 1987, my then partner and I were hired by ABC to do a TV movie called The Girl Next Door, not to be confused with the later movie, uh, that starred uh, Christy Brinkley. And uh, we were hired to write it. And I'd say maybe four weeks into writing it, uh, Christy Brinkley dropped out. And they paid my partner and I a ton of money not to write the script. <laughs> I'd never seen so much money in my life. And I said, oh, yeah, this is the business for this me. This is the business you want to be in. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the industry is awash with cash, isn't it? Well, it was. In a it's, sense. It's, yeah. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're lucky, and I've been doing this for 30 straight years. I, I started in 1987. I just passed my 30th year. I've never had any other job since then. Uh, it's a good job. The problem is, is that, and young writers will want to know this, you do have the times of famine. It's like being fired from a station when they change their format. And you've been there. They I've been there. Go, We're not going to do rock and roll anymore. Now it's classical music. That's exactly and, what happened to me. <laughs> there you go. And, and maybe I knew that story. And that's yeah. what happened. You're like you're out the door and you're sitting around a few months collecting unemployment and then you go back to work. But um, the industry pays well. It's all union at this point. I'm in the Writers Guild, of course. And uh, it's been a great life. And that's all you're doing is writing. Uh, or Well, you started, are you, are you doing producing now? I think that's what you've uh, done more recently. Is that correct? Well, it's, it's, they call it a hyphenate in, in LA, in the Writers Guild. It's called an Article 14 hyphenate. So I am a writer-producer. So not only do I write the scripts, but I help, in this case, I executive produce a show. I hire the directors. I help cast. I go on location, find out where we're going to film. Uh, I do post-production where we put in music and editing and so forth. And that's the producer side of it. Because you can start off as just a writer where you just write the scripts. But now I've advanced, thank God, uh, into writer-producer territory. And so your hands-on is to make sh on, on all the way through every step to, to make sure that there's a good product at the end. Yeah, they actually call you the showrunner when you're the executive producer. You are the person that has the creative control. Now, you work with directors and you work with line producers. And the studio, of course, has a lot to say in the studio. Uh, and, and, and the network. But really, you try to get your vision of the show on the air, and they, and they really seek your input because it's your script, it's your staff, it's your vision for the show. Is there a dividing line as, as tight as it was or as, 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 as uh, obvious as it was now that there was years ago between TVs and movies? The movie industry, you never, you know, you, as a movie actor, you never did TV. And as a TV actor, you never did movies. Now right. there's a lot of crossover. I'm just sure. curious if those two industries interchange a lot or, 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 if, or not. 
I actually think that, well, I've, I've sold two movies that never got made. Made a nice living off them, but never got made. <laughs> I actually think more uh, better drama and better storytelling is happening on television than the movies. The movies have become tent poles. It's always the next Avengers movie or the right. next uh, Transformer movies. But if you look at TV, and there's 500 scripted shows this year, um, there's just a wealth of drama out there or storytelling. It doesn't have to be drama. I like comedy. I actually uh, did a comedy for Chuck Lorre, and I produced or didn't produce. I wrote a show with Billy Crystal years ago. And I like that more than I do drama, but for some reason I've ended up in drama. And I just think television is, is where people are coming because there are short seasons. You can do great storytelling. The budgets have increased for some of these shows. I mean, you look at Game of Thrones. It is a feature, yeah. but it's on TV. It's on TV. I, now, now uh, you know, I've read that uh, you know, Netflix, for instance, has decided they're going to spend $8 billion on product in 2018. I think that's what I heard. Uh, you know, and if, that's, if other companies are doing that, there's a lot of stuff being produced and somebody's got to produce that. And I would presume that that opens the door for more writers or for more writers to, to write more things. They do. You know what Netflix has changed is the way we view television. Yeah. You know, I, I used to, well, let's, for example, my wife works on NCIS as an extra. She's been there five years. And I did an episode a few years back. They air that over 22 weeks, not counting Christmas and repeats. Nowadays, you can go into Netflix and watch an entire series in a weekend. Yeah. Well, if you do that, what does Netflix show you tomorrow? <laughs> they so they're have constantly eating yeah. up. Yeah, they need programming because they don't show it once a week. You know, they just show it to you all at one time. And we watched Narcos in like two days. So, As we did too, yeah. Love that show. So you, 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 you are consuming television a lot differently than it did when I started, where you had a 22 or 24-week season, and it took that long to air the shows. You got one a week. So uh, Amazon, Hulu, um, soon to be, um, um, Sony's got one called Crackle. These guys are delivering all your shows to you in a day. So it on, does, on demand. So on, on demand, demand has just really changed things. Yeah, yeah. It has. So the, actually the broadcast networks have lost tons of viewers, just tons. And cable has outrated them overall for some time. But the big four still have the um, hold on advertisers because Netflix doesn't take advertising. Right. So if you're an advertiser, you have to be on the big four or cable. It has changed the world immensely since I started. But I think for the better, there are so many more people working. I guess if there's any problem, it's um, I can't watch all the shows. I, <laughs> That's a challenge because you know there's good stuff out there. Friends tell you about it. And you go, I'll get to that. And then you just you, you see it in the episode. And you go, God, I got something else to watch. I mean, yeah. we're making our way through um, uh, uh, Broadchurch, you know, oh, this yeah, week. Sure. And, and next week, it's the Queen and uh, and all sorts of stuff. I mean, Netflix yeah. Netflix is where most – we don't – I mean, other than uh, some of the political stuff, we don't watch too much TV, sports, you know, but uh, yeah. you're right. It's, it's an interesting industry and seeing it from afar, it has changed. Now, now what did I just read yesterday today? Disney is buying up, um, Fox. who are they buying? Fox. Fox. Yeah. And, and that's going to change a lot as well because that's a huge acquisition. It is, but they're keeping, Fox is keeping Fox TV right. and Fox News. They are selling FX and they're selling their movie studio. Uh, the movie studio hasn't done that well recently. But as this consolidation happens, there is the other drawback, which is you have more places to sell, but they're owned by fewer people. Right. So you go into ABC, for example, you're talking about Disney, ABC, uh, what was ABC Family, which is Freeform, ABC On Demand, now FX, and there's one group of people pretty much choosing for seven platforms. Yeah. So in that regards, it's getting tougher. If you are on anybody's bad list, 
it, you're out of that. You're out of like eight locations that you're not before. But I do think it's better. And I've been working uh, cable the last few years. Um, you probably don't watch my show. Uh, we're very big with uh, older people. I mean, older, like 55 to 75 to beyond. Right. Uh, it's on Hallmark. And yes, uh, yeah. it's called When Calls the Heart. It's a very sweet um, show. It's kind of like Little House on the Prairie, but without the edge is the joke we said. <laughs> now, how long have you been doing this? I've been on this one three years. Okay. And this is the first season. I was co-exec for the first two years, and now I'm the executive producer with my partner, Cynthia Cohen. And uh, we do 12 episodes. That's it. And, you know, so you only work like five or six months and then you have to find something else to do for the next six months or find. Now we have a pilot this year of our own. So that's going to keep it busy. So I've got a question. It's a little aside yeah. from writing, but I'm yeah. curious about, about about as an actor, would, what would an actor or a young actress need to know to try and break into the industry as a 20 something? What kind of things are producers looking for in agents? What are they looking for? Well, you would think we'd be looking for something unique. But if you watch like the WB, I'm not or I'm sorry, it's uh, what do they call it? It's um, <laughs> CW. I forgot. Yeah, CW. Yeah. The CW. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It was WB one for a while. Uh, and UPN. They look for homogenous on that network. But I think if I was a young actor, I'd want to find someone that I could emulate and then spin. Mm. It's fine to be James Dean, but you want to spin it just a little bit. Just a little off center. Okay. I, I think it's really tough to be an actor. I do. Here's the thing. Writers, they'll always meet with you because they never know when you have the next Star Wars. They right. just don't. Actors, I feel if they, you come into it, I've been in a zillion casting sessions and you have an idea of what someone's gonna look like because you wrote the script. And when that person walks in, sometimes it's not fair, but you'll reject them just because they didn't fit the image you had in your, in your mind. Other times somebody will sit down, blow you away and go, oh my God, that is not what I expected and not what I thought, but this is better. Right. So it's, it's, it's a tough business. I probably would never be an actor, even if I was good, uh, good enough to be one, because I think it's, it's hard to stay on top of the game. If you go back a decade and look at shows that were on a decade ago, many of those actors are no longer working, and it's even right. tougher for women. Um, yeah, I would guess. Now, yeah. You know, once you hit 40, it's really hard. There's always a new ingenue. <laughs> uh, it's not that way for men. Obviously, Tom Cruise is still out there picking up girls in movies, supposedly. Um, but I think it's really tough for women. I mean, you look at Renee Russo, who was so hot for so many years. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now you're seeing her in movies where she's playing alongside Morgan Freeman and Alan Arkin, who are in their 70s. I it's, watched uh, the uh, the uh, 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 Kenneth Branagh version of uh, uh, the Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, yeah. And it took right. me a while to go, that's Michelle Pfeiffer, because I haven't seen go. her for a while. You know? That's right. I was glad to and, see her. You know? And it is nice, but you know, she was the babe yeah. and the talent 10 or 15 years ago. If you look yep. at our IMDb, which is where you can see our credits, um, just not a lot of work since then. So it's let me ask you about um, uh, the movie that you, you told me on the phone here uh, a couple of days ago that it was on Christmas night. Is that So tell me about this one. Yes. So it's our two-hour season premiere. We do 12 episodes a year on my show. And the season premiere is always, well, it's always in the last three years, it's been a holiday movie. And ours is on Christmas night, 8 o'clock on Hallmark. Nice. Uh, my partner and I wrote it. Um, it's our, it's a, it's a standalone. You can watch it even though you don't know the show, but it's better that you kind of get to know the show because right. there are things that are ongoing. So then there's Christmas night. And then we come back in February and we run 10 straight weeks and then that's our season. So you, you obviously spend a lot of time on this show, but that's like a half a year. Are you writing other things that you hope will get off the ground or you're just writing other things for other areas? I'm just curious what, what, what takes up your time other than that? Yeah. Well, you always try to create something of your own because 
that's what you want to do. So right today, my partner and I have a project that's going out with the company with a country music star. I would tell you her name. You would know her instantly, <laughs> but she hasn't signed on the dotted line, although she says she will. Okay. And that's a, that's a project we'll go out with in January to the streaming services and to Freeform and a few others and say, hey, here's a show with this person's uh, influence. And this is the type of show it is. It's a pitch. We haven't written a script. Today, we were writing a spec pilot uh, for our agents who asked to see it. It's a it's a comedy horror, kind of a one hour. Um, and then we were pitched one uh, yesterday at lunch by an agent friend of mine who came in with this wonderful idea from a, a well-known author, actually. The guy wrote uh, Road to Perdition and brought us this idea, which I'd never heard before. And hmm. it, I have no problem taking somebody else's idea, especially if I can spin it and make it different. And I thought it was so brilliant. So that's probably the next thing we'll do. Then we have to see if, uh, we're, if the show comes back, our show, which I think it will, and whether or not we want to return. We've been writing it three years. And I got to tell you something, Tim, it's been very rewarding. <clears throat> it's got a small audience, three to five million people, but they are such huge fans of the show that they, I've been on a lot of shows. And I've gone to a lot of fan meetings, but the one we just did in Canada where 500 people flew up their, their own expense, just yes. <laughs> It was like being a rock star. Wow. It was like being what we used to fantasize as DJs, that people would want our autograph. This show, this particular show, has never I've never seen the effect on a viewer that I've had with this show. They live and die by it. Wow. And it, so I like the show, and hopefully it will come back and we'll continue on. We'll so you talked about pitch. What is a good pitch these days? Well, a good question. <laughs> our agents are saying that right now everything is dark, uh, which means um, not only violent, but but just offbeat. So right. There's a lot of that on Netflix and Amazon. There is. <clears throat> and you would think with this current political situation, people would want lighter stuff. They would like more comedy or light drama, like moonlighting. But they're not buying that. What they're buying is the weirdest stuff you can think of. <laughs> so you sit down and you try to think of the weirdest stuff you can think of. And you don't always hit it right away. But when you do, you go, you know what? That's, I haven't seen that. Yeah, like Transparent. That was just an amazing show. Uh, yeah. One Mississippi was really interesting. One Mississippi was interesting. Have you seen Preacher? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. No, yeah. So it's just different yeah. and bizarre. I don't yeah. always love it, but you watch it and you go, I've never seen this before on TV. And they've and taken things like Daredevil and did a really, really, really interesting twist, and I'm looking forward to seeing The Punisher and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, comic book-based, but when you put that on the screen – and you, you, like you say, darken it up. That Boy, that daredevil was really pretty dark. All right, so I'm going to impress you now and all the nerds who watch your show. <laughs> I have done, in fact, I could actually pull it off my shelf. I've done seven projects with Stan Lee. Um, and we currently have a, a project that is supposedly going to be turned into a feature called Firebrand. I wrote it as a TV movie with my then partner and then as a pilot. And it's been rewritten into a movie by another writer. And it's a brand new superhero that Stan created with my partner and myself. Nice. <laughs> I was going through stuff today. I, could, I wish I could show it to you. Unfortunately, it's confidential. Um, there was a point. I'll just tell you something. At one time, a couple of years ago, uh, we were doing a project with Stan called The Governator, which was <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger as a superhero who was governor of California, but secretly a superhero. Superhero. There you go. And they have all the artwork up here on my desk. I was looking at it today. So I was cleaning my office. And, you know, we were working on the pilot and the pitch and everything. And then, unfortunately, Arnold uh, had a scandal. Yeah. 
a lot with with Stan, including a, a there was a movie called uh, The Mighty Seven, which aired a couple of years ago. It was an animated film I wrote with Stan, uh, aired on the Hub, I think. Hmm. And we had a great cast. We had Army Hammer and uh, Terry Hatcher, who I did Lois and Clark with, uh, Sean Astin, uh, Jim Belushi. Uh, great names that did yeah. the voices for this thing. And we might do a sequel because it did really well. And you can buy it if you want uh, and pay for it, I think, online. Well, Stanley and I go back to my 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 early years, eight, nine, ten years old. I was a comic book nut, Marvel comic book nut, and he wrote everything, you know, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man. He wrote all that stuff from when I was a kid, you know, and I love seeing him in the, uh, his doing his, doing his cameos, uh, yeah. you know, in, in the Marvel, uh, what is he, 92, 93? 92 or 92. three. I mean, yeah. Can I tell you the truth? I, I have, I've worked with Stan off and on over the years. I've never met a more generous and kind man in my life. He never takes credit in a room for the ideas, even though they always spring from him. He always says, these boys did it. And I just love him from that. He's a really yeah. talented guy and a, and a good guy. That's us. I'm so glad to hear that. That's great. Uh, and I think we've covered it pretty much everything. Cause I was going to ask you last at some of the tips, but you kind of, we've kind of gone on that. Like how do you, how do you pitch something and how do you, as a writer, what are they looking for? The darker stuff, you know, right yeah. now that may change in a year or two. Huh? It would. It's Let me give you this for any writers who are sitting, uh, not in LA who want to break down here. You have to be here. Yeah. yeah. You have to come down here. You have to get an apartment. You have to meet people. It's networking. You can't send your script in the mail or over the transom. It's not going to be read. You know, people need to know you. You've got a network. It's like any other job. I know you network. I've seen you do work. I know how much you do for your company. Yep. And that's what it's about. You can't just send in a script. So if you're really serious about being a writer, writer you got to come down here and do it. And, and the same thing as an actor, I would guess. Uh, yes. Yeah, no one's yeah. going to knock on your door in Kaiser, Oregon <laughs> and say, please. Come to LA and come be a down star. here. That was yeah. a great three-minute tape you sent yeah. us. <laughs> There's no one like you in Hollywood. Please yeah. come down. That's not going to happen. You got to come down here and convince them. Paul, it's been a pleasure. Hope we see each other again uh, soon. Uh, it's been great, and 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 I appreciate the tips and and the Stanley story was great too. So that was that was fun. Uh, well, thank you, Tim. All right, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you again. All right, sir. Thank you. Thanks again to Paul Jackson, and uh, be sure and check out his show that he's the executive producer of. One calls the heart is on Christmas night on the hallmark channel check your local listings uh, this week's trade show tip of the week it's all in the timing you know i got a number of clients that are making to looking to make changes to their exhibit for shows next year a lot of them in march april that sort of thing uh, but we've been having discussions on what those changes are going to be for months last couple two three months so depending on the changes you're going to make, you should give yourself at least a few months to figure out what the changes are so that you're not racing against the clock and doing last minute changes that are more susceptible to mistakes. One client, for instance, is uh, expanding a 10 by 20 to a 10 by 30 using a lot of the same elements, but taking some out, adding light boxes and graphics and things and so on and so forth, uh, which means we work with our designer to make those changes, create a mock-up, have the client review it, and then make revisions and so on and so forth. And then finally, it's all agreed upon. We have to do the pricing, make sure the pricing works with their budget. And it all comes down to that specific date. It's got to be done and ready to ship so that it makes it to the advanced warehouse. Another client's doing a, a 10 by 30, expanding that to a 10 by 40, same story. Another's making some more cosmetic changes, but it's all the same approach. What do you need to do and when does it need to be done? What is the timeline? So be aware of the dates. Uh, in any event, if you're making changes to your booth or even doing a new one, it takes time. 
uh, talk with your exhibit house or project manager way ahead of time to determine a timeline to make sure it all happens the way it should, you know, without making that quick sprint at the very end. So uh, let's wrap it up with uh, this week's one good thing. Uh, I got to play Santa Claus today. I I, I live here in Salem and I where the office is. I drove up to Portland and visited a number of clients and delivered some Christmas swag. The new trade show guy exhibits tumbler. I'm going to show you one here because it was so fun uh, to, to hand these out. It was really cool. Put a little ribbon on them and, and hand out the the cup. Really cool. Tumbler. Drink tumbler. People love getting those. It's really fun to hand out. And so with that, Merry Christmas. See you the second week of January. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.